for us to do is just look briefly at a few things that happen when we worship and when we pray. We're experiencing some of it, right? So that's nice when you experience it first and then you can put words to it. The first thing that happens when we worship is that the Lord is enthroned among us. There's a really interesting verse in the Psalms, Psalm 22, verse 3. And if you want to look at it on your phone, there's some Bibles behind the the pew. Look at the, the pew in front of you. There's a pew Bible there. I didn't do slides. I've already mentioned I'm kind of old school, so we may end up bringing our Bibles some in the the coming days. Psalm 22, verse 3, very interesting phrase here. talks about what happens when ancient Israel worshipped, when David worshipped, when he called the people to worship. What happens when we worship? Psalm 22, verse 3 says that, Lord, you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Some translations translate this Hebrew word as yeshab, and it means to indwell, to inhabit, to sit as an enthroned king. And the word picture behind this is actually the Ark of the Covenant, which was like a movable throne that Israel carried around, and they would take it into the very Holy of Holies, and it represented the place where Yahweh The God of Israel was enthroned symbolically and where the glory of the Lord resided. So what David is saying here, when the people of God praise and worship, the Lord's presence is there. And what's interesting, the temple is now us. So when we worship, we become the holy of holies. The Lord's presence is there. The Lord is enthroned among us and he's revealed as king. Very beautiful powerful. Some of you, that may sound like strange language, so how about the idea of the Lord coming and sitting on us? (laughs) If you think of the words of Jesus in the Gospels, he looked over the broken people of Israel and he said, how I long like a mother hen to come and wrap my wings around you and draw you to myself. So when we worship, the Lord sits enthroned as king, but the Lord comes and wraps his wings around us to protect us, to shield us, to be the Lord among us. So I don't know about you, but this morning I'm saying, Lord, would you come sit here? Would you come and rule and reign and be the king that we need, the king that we look look to? What's interesting, too, when that happens, the Lord makes his enemies a footstool. And so when the Lord is king and he's revealed as king, His enemies are undone. So that's the second thing I want us to look at here. When we worship, the Lord routs our spiritual enemies. The Lord defeats them, and he's revealed among us as a holy warrior. There's an interesting passage in 2 Chronicles. You can look that up on your phone. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's insight into this picture of what happens when we worship. 2 Chronicles 20, some of you are wondering where that is. You can look at the table of contact, table of contents there. You could look it up on your phone. So 2 Chronicles 20, verses 21 through 22. Just to give a little context what's happening here, again, we're seeing the people of God worship the way that they interact with God. And they're getting ready to go into battle. And they're getting ready to 
engage the troops of Moab and Ammon. And so beginning at verse 20, the leaders are getting them together. The king is calling the people together. And it says, they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat, who's a king in the ninth century, he stood and said, listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy splendor. As they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, what happens? The Lord set an ambush or a surprise attack against the Ammonites, Moab, and the others of Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed, they were struck down and defeated. So thankfully, we don't literally do this now. We're not going out and conquering territories and things like that. But this has spiritual meaning for us. We do have spiritual enemies, and the Lord does call us to engage them just like we were this morning. And so when we are calling out to the Lord, if you look here, what, what, are, they, what are they calling out? They're pointing out, they're doing two things. What is it there at verse 21? Very specifically, they're giving thanks, right? Very simple action here. That they're, they're giving thanks to the Lord, and they're singing of his incredible conquering power. Is that right? No. They're singing of his steadfast love. So here they are in the throes of battle, and they're giving thanks, and they're praising the Lord for his love. So that is what we do. That's what Brad was leading us in this morning. Lord, we give you thanks. We celebrate your love. Before we're in battle or anything, we're children. We're beloved children. And so even in the throes of that, the heat of the battle, we're saying you are full of love and passion for us. You take care of us. And that's what we celebrate. And what happens, this is a very interesting thing, and you can see it in other places in Scripture, the enemy turns against one another. And they turn their swords against one another. And the passage doesn't explain here, but if this interests you, you can see it in another place in Judges 7, 22. The same thing happens. They're confused, and rather than attacking the children of Israel, they attack one another, and they're routed. So again, as we worship this morning, as you go home and worship this week, the enemy struck down. And what do you do? You sing about the love of God. You give thanks to him. All kinds of verses. Another one, we're not going to look at it, but you can write this down or enter it into your phone. Isaiah 30, verse 32, the prophet Isaiah is talking about the same kind of thing, and he's looking really into the last days. And he says that when the people of God praise, it is like uh, hammer blows against the enemy. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We're delivering blows against the enemy as we sing to our loving Father. So those are two things that happen when we worship. How about prayer? What happens when we pray? What happens when we pray collectively? What happens when you pray in your C group? When you pray as couples? When you pray with friends? When you pray in your car? to and from church, when you're at the workplace, what kinds of things happen? I just want to point out, too, 
Again, I told you we were going to have plenty of time this morning to respond to the Lord in worship and in prayer and in ministry time. So what happens when we pray? Our perspective changes. You know what? This is one of those things, frankly, I don't like. Sometimes I like my perspective. I like to wallow. I like to entertain hopeless thoughts. I like, to, I like to say, Lord, I'm not sure you can do this. Are you sure that this is possible? Can you really do this? Are, can you change me here? Can you change that situation? Are you, are you sure? And so I'm speaking to myself here. Our perspective changes when we pray. Look at Psalm 27, verse 4. And again, I, I, I want to call us to this this morning. I want us to think about having our perspective changed collectively, individually. Look at Psalm 27, verse 4. And we know David and the other psalmists dealt with some serious stuff. They were human just like we were. So they dealt with all kinds of inner turmoil and insecurity and problems in life. And yet we find Psalm 27.4 saying something rather beautiful about having our perspective changed. This is David. It says, One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire or meditate in his temple. If you need to have your perspective changed, that is a great verse to go to. That is a great prayer. Lord, I am filled with anxiety, inner turmoil. Are you sure you can really do this? Can you come through for me? Join King David right here. Lord, we're, we're looking for one thing, and that is you. We're looking for the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And you know what? It changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, one, one glimpse of that, one glimmer, and you have hope again. One touch from the Lord and everything changes. Is that right? So, church, the one thing that we're after is the beauty of the Lord. To gaze upon him together. To teach our children how to do this. How to, practically, this isn't strange or mystical. Or, this is, we come together and we focus our attention on who the Lord is. Some of you say, well, I don't even know what it means to meditate. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what it is to worry? How many of you may stay up late at night and think about the bill you can't pay? Think about the relationship that's broken, the unforgiveness in your heart or someone else's, and you mull on it a little bit? Anybody else here? Maybe for an hour, two hours, three hours? That's called meditation, my friends. You are a meditator. The Lord has wired us to be meditating creatures. It's a matter of meditating on the right thing, isn't it? So this is very practical right here. Psalm 27.4 says, meditating creatures come and meditate on the right thing. And that is the glory of the Lord Jesus. The glory of God. Get in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it will change your perspective. Psalm 73, another really amazing, marvelous psalm. You can look there. I'm going to urge you to read that, maybe even this week. You could read Psalm 27. You could read Psalm 73. 
And I only want to look at one verse, but again, the overall flow of the passage here is the psalmist is really distraught. And the psalmist is looking around. I love Psalm 73 because it's a pity party. It's another verbalization of, are you sure that I can make it through? And actually, the psalmist kicks into another gear and says, why have I lived the way that I have for God? Is this all a sham? Is it a waste? Is it a joke? And then he kicks into gear, I'm actually envious of those other people around me who have walked away from God, who've never given God the time of day. And so... The psalmist is in this, this swirl, saying, I'm envious of their money. I'm envious of the good things that happen to them in their lives. Here I am. Everything's falling apart for me. And then look what happens at verse 17. This is a game changer. Verse 17, the psalmist has been wallowing, laying out this argument. Are you sure? I'm pathetic. I'm envious. Not sure I really like you anymore, God. And then at verse 17, what happens? Everything changes when I went into the sanctuary of God. So church, we're coming in to the sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. God inhabits us. God indwells us. Everything changes. Our perspective changes on life, on our relationships, when we look to the glory of God, and when we come into the presence of God to, together. You know what? We need each other, don't we? So this isn't just an individual call. You know, Pat, do this on your own. No, it's Pat, join the family around you. We need one another deeply. And so we're pulling each other into this place where our perspective changes, and rather than wallowing in the hopelessness and the despair, we're catching a glimpse of the Lord of beauty. And we go, oh, this is, this is why I'm investing my life in following you. This is why I sacrifice. This is why I suffer. So the final thing here, when we pray, Brad was singing about it. You were shouting about it. Started to get a little bit out of control, which is okay. The Lord moves. When we pray, the Lord moves. Acts chapter 4, you can look at it again here briefly. Maybe another thing, maybe these are some passages you can go back and meditate on, chew on, pray with someone during this, this week. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to set it up though. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 32. What's happening here, Peter and John, the apostles, have gone and they've had to go to the highest court in Jerusalem. And they're stirring up the city and the religious leaders don't like it. So they get called to account. It's time for you to show up your day in court. And so they go to court, they stand trial, and then they go back and meet with the believers in a house church. So they're in someone's home, and they begin to pray the scriptures. They look at what Psalm 2 for us, and they're praying it to the Lord. And then I want you to look at verse 29. See here, it's a pretty hopeless situation. They're after the apostles. They're after the church. Great persecution. And look at verse 29. In the midst of this situation, they say, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. 
So we have the power of the word of God there. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We're not backing down. We're going to continue to share the gospel, share the word of Jesus. And we expect you, we're asking you to stretch out your hand, to send the power of the spirit to perform miracles that only you can do. What happens at verse 31? When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Another little Pentecost. It's an ongoing Pentecost like it happened two chapters earlier. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. What's interesting, it's that all language again, just like you see in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's poured out on everyone, not just the apostles, all the people of God, all the church. So in this moment, they're asking the Lord to move powerfully. Come as the sovereign Lord, the worker of wonders, and do what only you can do. Now we know that this does include physical healing and signs and wonders and miracles and the alleviation of pain and the opening of deaf ears and all of this, but what else does it include? All kinds of healing. Healing of broken hearts, healing of souls. You name it, God can do it. And so when we pray, we are asking the Lord, stretch out your hand to heal bodies, to open deaf ears, to set people free from addiction. Do what only you can do. And this is the God we worship. We worship the wonder-working God, and we cry out because we don't have the power. You don't have the power. I don't either. Nobody can work a miracle. Only the Lord can. And I know many of you are looking in your life right now, and you need the wonder worker to step in. That's who we're worshiping. In just a minute, we're going to come back and worship working God. So when we worship, he's enthroned as king among us. He routs our enemies as a mighty warrior. When we pray, we're given new perspective. We're struck by the beauty of the Lord. It changes everything for us. We get out of our pity parties, out of our unbelief. And then when we pray, the Lord moves and acts. So as we come back together, this is the God that we're looking to, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, full of grace and mercy and love and passion. A God who likes us, doesn't just love us, but a God who actually likes us and is delighted, just as you're delighted when your children come in Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. Or the friend you haven't seen in a long time wraps their arms around. This is the kind of God that we serve. Now, one last verse here. James chapter 4. I want to urge you to see the simplicity in all of this. Okay? Some of you could say, well, that's a lot to chew on. Those are multiple verses. It's as simple as James chapter 4, 7 through 8. So in the coming week, I'm going to ask you to do these three things that James exhorts the early church to do. Three verbs here in these verses. I'm always tempted to hand the microphone to someone. Zach, will you read this? Or, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll read it here. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Church, our Lord's body of Christ in Oklahoma City, body of Christ in the region, submit yourselves Therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, 
and God will draw near to you. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as submitting to the Lord. I always think of Mary when I read this passage. I think of what Mary does. And the Lord interrupts her life, startling moment, and what does she say? Lord, be it done to me according to your word. That's what submission looks like. Submitting to the Lord, even if I don't agree or I'm having trouble with, I, I submit to you. Like Mary, be it done to me according to your word. As A.T. talked previously about Ephesians 6, resisting, putting on the armor of God, fighting the enemy in the love of God, and the Lord's going to draw near. So, how does a little more worship and prayer sound? Sound all right? Sound good? All right. So, Lord, we, uh, we do. We ask for a fresh revelation right now of who you are, what happens when we worship, when we pray. And we ask you to move among us, to work, to do what only you can do, Lord. While the band's setting up, let's just sit here for a moment. We can meditate. Turn your heart to the Lord, and then we're going to worship and praise. And you know what? I'm expecting the Lord to take us into some places in worship and prayer. We don't really know that much. I don't know much. So I'm asking like a child, Lord, teach me more about worship and prayer. Anybody else interested in that? Teach us about worship and prayer right now. Come and move among us. Then we'll have some time for ministry at the end. I think uh, Bethany is probably bringing another power cord for Brad. Thanks, Brad. Sit. We can uh, be quiet for a moment, right, while they're setting up. You certainly don't want to hear me sing. Someone amen that? All right.
Um, I just felt like um, Brock, as the prophet in our body, has made a call. And, and God is asking for a response from us. Anytime in the Old Testament when there was a prophecy, if the people responded and called upon the name of the Lord, he came. And, and calamity came when they didn't respond. I'm not saying that over us. I'm just saying that there is something about a call and a response. And I believe God is asking us to respond right now, to cry out to the living God, for our flesh to cry out to him. So let's do that as a body. God, we cry out to you, the living God. Our flesh cries out to you.
place else to be right now than right here with the Lord. There's no place else who knows what gift he has. We're here giving gifts of praise, gifts of our own, created presence that he made, that he loves, he lives in, dwells in. We're drawing near. Just be quiet. No place else to be. Nothing else to do.
So I. I want to speak briefly. Some of you may not have been in a context where we worship, we wait on the Lord, we make space for this. The Apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 14 about order and orderliness, right? So we undermine any kind of emotionalism, things like that. The Lord is among us. We wait on the Lord. Oftentimes the presence of God comes in waves and we look to the scriptures I'm preaching from the scriptures where it's the word of God and then the presence of God is among us. So we want to make space for God to do that and for God to come and speak to us and we do it in order. Amen? Is that right? Amen. So we, we pull the plug on that. But the Apostle Paul is very clear. He talks about the celebration of the sacraments. He talks about worship. He talks about the spirit of God moving. And he does say explicitly, let prophetic people speak two or three of them, and the rest of us evaluate and judge and assess, and that's precisely what we're doing. We're doing New Testament Christianity this morning right now. For those of you that may be new or a little bit stretching, that's okay, right? But I want you to know we're committed to order in this. Esther has something she wants to share, and then we're going to sing a little more. In a staff meeting a few weeks ago, A.T., I want you guys to stay, stay in the worship mode. A.T. shared how ministry to the Lord has been heightened to our leadership team about um, the call of our Lord's community church to include a heightened focus on ministry to the Lord. And I'm like, well, why is that? And we see it in Scripture and in Revelation in heaven, we get a picture of heaven, and we see ministry to the Lord that is extravagant. And I, I feel like we get to be a part of bringing heaven to earth when we join in ministry to the Lord with the heavens. And so today, we, we're doing that extra. We're making more space for that. And so um, challenge yourself in your extravagance to the Lord and in our ministry to him because it is part of the vision and part of the call of our Lord's community church.
The Lord is among us. Thanks be to God. Uh, the Lord is moving among many groups. Uh, we happen to have a women's retreat this weekend. Some of you were there, and I want to make sure that we have space to hear a little bit about that. And then we thought we would have some of the women from the women's retreat. Maybe we could have you come over here and pray for folks who couldn't make it or others. Um, Jennifer, why don't you come up and share, and then we'll transition into ministry time. Do you mind if I stand? I'm going to stand up here. Um, yeah, we anticipated that the women's retreat was going to have some significant impact on our women. And so before Sunday, we talked, and um, Brock had said, be prepared. We want to be able to feed back a little bit about what this weekend was. And so I just want to share very briefly what I feel like is a summary of what God did. Bear with me. I'm going to read a little bit of my notes, but I think it's going to be pretty concise. So this weekend, we set up throughout this building, we set up home. We had sofas and chairs. We had coffee tables. We had um, lamps and bookshelves. We had a giant dining room table right there in the foyer. We had flowers and plants. We had blankets and art. And we even had play spaces. The only thing missing was a bed. We didn't stay the night. We went home. Um, God invited our women to come home to him. And in the comfort of home, he did some amazing things. He spoke to our hearts. And you know, each heart hears his voice so uniquely and so intimately. And so we opened space for God to speak. He spoke uniquely and he spoke intimately. His Holy Spirit came. It came with tenderness and tears. It came with joy and laughter. It came with peace and it came with power. And every combination of all of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we played with God. We became like kids. We explored creativity. We danced. The sanctuary was full of dancing. We soaked and we meditated in his presence and in his word. We took it to the streets. We interceded in worship. <laughs> it was full, it was fun, and it was fresh. And it was a taste of more to come. So God redefined home for us. We became a stronger family together for the sake of his kingdom on this earth. And this morning, I believe he wants to make that same invitation to us as a wider family, a more complete family. There were many women there over the weekend. There were two men there during worship. My brother, Brad, was leading worship, and my son was there doing the slides and the sound. And it struck me, this is family, a complete family, men and women together. 
So if you would do this with me, men, I want to ask you to stand because God wants to give to you what he gave to us through the weekend. And men, as you stand, if you would, just hold your hands out to the Lord. And then women, I'm going to invite you to come and stand next to them in a moment. But first, I'm just going to pray for our, our men. Father, thank you for the men that you have in our midst. Thank you that your spirit is being poured out on our family. And I ask, Holy Spirit, now that you would come. And you would come with presence. You would come with peace. You would come with power. You would come with joy. You would come with faith. And you would rise up in our men. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is here. It's with us now. And women, would you stand up next to our men? I pray the same thing over our women. Women, you didn't miss out because you weren't there at the weekend. You were with us in spirit, and you're here this morning. And so, Father, Holy Spirit... Jesus, you are amongst us. You are in our midst. We welcome you here. We welcome the fullness of your presence. We welcome every expression that you want to give us this morning. With our minds, we turn to you. With our bodies, we worship you. With our souls, we surrender to you. The Father acted on our, he spoke. The Father spoke creation into being. And then he sent Jesus to act on our behalf. And he is continually acting now through the power of his spirit. And so we're going to continue in worship. So where does the morning go quickly? Thank you for that, Jennifer, and thank you. I want to invite the ministry team to come up. If you would go ahead and come up, please, ministry team. And then I'm going to ask, Jennifer, if you wouldn't mind some of the, the women from the leadership retreat to come over here, and maybe you want more of what she was praying about, maybe some women who couldn't come to the retreat, maybe others, you can come over here, and let's just have to my left here, to your right, can be the women's retreat outflow. How does that sound? And then we'll have the rest of the leadership team to come up and you can get prayer for, for anything. Some of the various things that we've worshipped about that were mentioned in our time in the scriptures and we're ending on time and you can go get your kids and we may linger in here a little while but we are officially dismissed and so I charge you to go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be the church in the world. Have a wonderful rest of the day, wonderful week, and we will see you next Sunday. Amen.